0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Grammy Award-winning jazz trombonist Doug Beavers. We had a wide-ranging talk about his latest 2020 CD, Soul, and a long, fruitful life in jazz. He is a musician who fearlessly pushes the boundaries of genre, and it all started with Eddie Palmieri's legendary La Perfecta band, and he moved on to the Spanish Harlem Orchestra and many stops along the way. He's got a great past, a wonderful future. Hope is abound. Enjoy. When the sun's
1: shining, it always makes everything a little better.
0: You could say that again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for taking a minute after the show. I appreciate it. Of course. My pleasure. Your latest CD comes out during a very strange time on on planet Earth. Talk to me a little bit about the timing of this release, if anything, was altered because of being in a pandemic and everything that's going on.
2: Definitely. I had planned to bring um, Soul out. And it was, it was always, I mean, obviously, it was, it was going to be a summer record, you know, when we yeah. wanted that record to come out uh, May, June 2020 at the latest. Um, that was the idea of it. Just with, the, you know, we, we had recorded eight tunes in December, December uh, 19. And then the whole thing, you know, hit around March, you know, and I, I still needed to go to the studio to cut four more. And guys were just pretty reluctant and, in, in, you know, rightfully so for going to the studio and recording and, you know, because I do I like to record my stuff live, you know, so um, they were definitely hesitating and I don't blame them. Anyway, make that story long story short. We finally fast forward uh to July um, 20 and we got done recording everything. and mixed master it in August and then it comes out in September, but still it was, you know, the the whole thing definitely threw a loop into it. And we ended up releasing in December, which is the complete opposite of summer. But <laughs> I can't complain because it's been well received.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing that's interesting about this. You know, when all of this started, it was like, you know, we can't perform live. So we, you know, it's a bummer. But now it's like this is the only one of the only ways that you can get in front of your fan base is to actually put new material out.
2: Oh, that's, that's absolutely true. And, and for me, it was, it was an added blessing, too, because I, I had, with Soul, I wanted to start my record label, which, Circle Nine Records, which was actually, actually a product, production company, too. It's, it's a, a way to, to bring more music to my fans. And, you know, and it, it's almost, you know, the way I look at it right now, we've sold, and the, the vinyl, by the way, it comes out in a week or so, Um and we've pre-sold a third of our entire inventory of vinyls even before it gets here <laughs> so people wow. are super, super hungry for the music and in in ways i mean we've had more success i mean certainly just in, in terms of just units sold and and the reception and everything we've done way better with this and not we haven't even performed a, a cd release show which is just amazing and people are yeah you know it, it tells me that you know one of my things is make sure that the music is accessible make sure it's a high, you know production value make sure it's a high musical value people want real good truthful stuff stuff from the heart and that that will always be the case and we found a way to bring that directly to people and people are really you
1: know I think they really get that vibe from us and that's that's what we're about so speaking of a really good you know soulful truthful sound what do you ultimately want the listener to get from this experience i mean there's so much that gets put into any album but on this particular album with everything i mean you have parts of that pandemic time that go into this pre-pandemic there's a lot that goes into this that represents sunshine talk to me a little bit about what you want the listener to get
2: yeah i i just the listener i i would love for them to understand that you know, these these lines that, that folks draw with John are, oh, you know, he's, and people for many years, they, they oh, he, he's a Latin guy. Even though, you know, my degree from Manhattan School of Music is in jazz composition. You know, I came up learning jazz from from the greats. You know, um, but people say, oh, well, he, he said, but then I worked with Eddie Palmieri. That's kind of how I got my start in the, you know, quote-unquote major leagues. Uh So, oh, now he's a Latin guy. You know, so what I, I, which is, I mean, yeah, I do specialize in that music, but the scope is so much broader of what I do, and that's part of the reason why I started this label, too, is to bring some of that scope forward. So when folks are listening to this record, I really want them to see how seamlessly these different um, kind of uh, streams of, of thought and music and actually with respect to John or how they flow into the music pretty seamlessly if you think about it like that, you know, with soul, we have a lick that starts off from uh, a tune for May called golden light of day that flows into like a salsa. And then it gets into like a heavy Puerto Rico kind of mambo section. And then we put a soul singer who actually performed with Roberta Flack and Chaka Khan, uh, Ada Dyer. So we meld all these things and it seamlessly works, you know? So what are you going to call? it? Is it a salsa record? Well, not really. Is it an R&B record? Definitely not. Is it a jazz record? No. So it's, its own thing music can still grow and i think with an open mind we can make it whatever we want and that was the goal with this and and i also wanted to introduce 12 original compositions now we're definitely taking influences of styles but 12 original compositions of my own own pen and commit them to a record and and that was my goal and i think people you know going back to that whole honesty thing i think people really they'll connect to it and uh you know I, i just I, you know, I, I know that, that that's the case when they, when they hear this music. You know, I, I know that they're going to hear these, these, things, these influences blending together. It's like, wow, I, I never would think about that. Can we do it in a different way than than was in the 70s or the 80s, you know, where it was just like, okay, here's the Latin thing, and then here's the, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was it was very kind of categorical. But here, I think we're really seriously blending these, these influences in, in a new way. So I think that's the takeaway from this record is, is how that's possible. And if that's possible,
1: anything's possible. So speaking of influences, talk to me a little bit about your childhood. How did all of this begin? How did you get enamored with music, and how did it take off into a career? Specifically,
2: like the, the R&B and soul music was always just played around my house. My dad's, you know, African American, born in South Central L.A. Uh, met my mom, who's actually from Spain. They were going well, way back, perhaps more back than I should. But uh, just real quickly, they met <laughs> in Spain. My dad was in the Air Force, okay, and, and he was a sergeant. He was stationed out in Torrejon. Uh, Air, Air Force Base, which is in Madrid, they would go, uh, on weekends, they would go into town and they would go to discotheques and they would pick up chicks, pick up my mom. Two years later, I'm born, right? So that, <laughs> that's how that happened. <laughs> yeah. So, so listening, you know, and then, you know, my mom moved here and, and so we would listen to that music, you know, kind of like on the weekends and stuff and I just came up listening to that. Um, now, childhood-wise, I never intended to be a, a musician. Like, I always thought I was going to be some kind of engineer. So I actually studied, you know, electrical engineering. I had a full ride to UC Davis to be an electrical engineer. Um, on the way there, John Coltrane's Crescent comes on, you know, and I had been studying music hardcore just, you know, just as much. Uh, that comes on the rhythm public radio, and I just had an emotional moment. I'm like, yo, I can't. I can't do this. You know, I, I have to do music. You know, that was the, the gods, you know, John Coltrane is certainly one of them, uh, telling me, turn that car around and, and uh, go pursue music, see what happens. And that's what I did. I <laughs> literally turned the car around and went, went. There was a great music program at California State University, Hayward, went there, got accepted on the spot. I obviously had enough science and math and all that. Uh, and then that's that's where it took off. I did three years there and then came to New York. And that was, you know, and, and while I was in the Bay Area, that's, that's where I was raised, basically, San Francisco Bay Area, I did a ton of just horn bands and salsa bands, R&B stuff, wedding gigs. So I was, you know, transcribing and arranging plenty back then. Uh, and then, you know, as I came up through Manhattan School of Music, my teacher was Conrad Herbert, a great, great trombonist, you know, one of our best. And he introduces me to, to Eddie Palmieri, and I, I transcribed a record called La Perfecta Sue, and that was released on Concord in 2000 um and that was really the start of it Then i found myself on tour with eddie Palmieri, learning from the grades i was like with all twenty-two, twenty-three, 23 shivering in my shimmies on stage but <laughs> but that's how you learn that's how you learn uh and uh you know that was just an indispensable experience and uh here we are you know and now i'm, I'm finding those analytical engineering skills really coming to the fore full circle because now i'm engineering my own music producing it you know i mix my stuff um and continued to really grow along the production aspects, you know, because I get the physics of it. So it's really interesting how it's come full circle for me.
1: You know, when I think about mentors in your life, you know, you've been around a lot of heavy cats, but Eddie had to be probably one of the first ones that, that probably had a, a huge lasting impact. What did you learn from him? How did you learn? What What were the things that helped you conduct the life the way you you do now? Yeah. Eddie, I learned from Eddie, I mean, amongst other things, really the,
2: the singer dynamic was the dynamics of a live performance. And Eddie Palmieri was always about uh capturing and, and captivating the audience's attention. Like, he always wanted the audience engaged. Still does, once we get playing here. And he's not too far. He's like five minutes, <laughs> ten minutes north of me in, here in Jersey. Um, but what I learned was, you know, we always, always respect the audience, and and he always wanted them to be excited, and that's something that I really, you know, I took within, and and when we perform with my own ensembles, I really, I utilize just those dynamics about, and what he he calls a trajectory, and what he means by that is, okay, the band can start here, um, then we're gonna go we're going to do this intro and so the trajectory's up and then we're going to um, have the singers do the verse and then we're going to do a piano solo so that's raising the the trajectory that's raising the, the tension and then we're going to hit you with the mambo then you know which is the big instrumental section in the middle then we're going to hit you with the monia so that trajectory of energy is really if you think about it is constantly heading up and when you really utilize these techniques and he he got a lot of this from the Schillinger system, which is a mathematical interpretation of music. Uh, I don't know if you listeners might know about that, but that's, you know, that was, he, he has, he's, he's studied those books. He showed me the books. He's got everything highlighted there. And he's really taken into that. Uh, when, when you peak, the audience goes crazy and they, they just want more and more and, and being on the stage with Eddie. Uh, that's really what I experienced. You know, the, the audience would just, would just go crazy. And so I, I really, not only when I perform, but even when I write too, you know, I'm always trying to keep that trajectory up, trying to keep the audience uh, engaged, captivated. Um, and, you know, when you learn, those are things that, that that don't teach in school. You know, when I went to Manhattan School Music or whatever, I learned a lot, but you don't get that kind of in the trench type of experience um, as you do performing with a master. So, I mean, that's really the, you know, the, the singular thing. Uh, I learned with Eddie, and, and also, you know, I was, I found myself in the studio with Michael Brecker in, in 2005 for that release, uh, Listen Here, and it was Regina Carter, and Giovanni Hidalgo, and like Christian McBride, and all these greats. So it was just being surrounded by greatness. You know, you get to experience what these musicians have sacrificed and what they've been do, through to be truly great. And that, you know, without Eddie, that was, at that time in my life, that was that was going to be possible, but I was, you know, really blessed to have had that experience with them.
1: So when you take all of those experiences with these heavy hitters and jazz, and you translate into that teaching the younger generation, what did you get from them that in turn helped you teach the younger generation? It, it flows right into that, you know, it, With it, there's a certain intensity,
2: I think, that we need to teach, you know, our our people who are coming up in music and when I teach, and, and to take this the stuff seriously. You know, I I've, I've recently went to uh, a couple of years in a row. Well, last year I went to TMEA. I think some of you are being close to Texas. Your listeners might know about this, but it's the Texas Music Educators Association. They have a giant, gigantic conference, and there's all kinds of, uh, you know, instruments and dealers and marching band uniforms and symbols. I mean, it's a, it's a barn you know, full of stuff and but as part of that I would you know, as for my company Antoine Courtois Trombones, I would go and do some clinics and you know, when I go in, the kids are just kinda like, Okay, it's another day, you know, it's the routine. We're gonna take this music and we're just gonna read it down and, and it but it's it's not that. It's like let's take this music, let's create something new with it. Yeah, it might be the same piece, we're learning how to play. But let's put energy into it you know let's really like the articulation let's put excitement into every line and, and commit to everything and you kind of you work up the students like you would work up your audience in front of eddie's you know or front of one of my performances or in front of spanish home Orchestras performances or whatever um you get the you inject and you have to put a lot of energy into what you teach but that comes out on their end and you'll hear a band or or a whatever it might be in their performance, you hear that energy kind of transmuted through the ether to them. you know, and so they perform with 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 that vigor and that kind of sense of desperation, you know, because that's what this has to be. You never know what happens tomorrow, Joe, like, you know, who knows, you know, with all the things going on in the world. So you really do, they say, it's cliche, you have to perform like it's your last day on earth, but it is really true. And so when you teach and, and when you're, you're showing, you have to just have, you know, as I was able to experience it when you teach uh, kids coming up today or whenever you're teaching, it could be somebody that's 70, you have to show them that, you know, you really take it seriously and you put a lot of dedication in and you show them what uh, it takes to be a great musician because being a musician is hard enough, but to be a great
1: one, I mean, that's some serious sacrifice. There. So that's, that's really what I like to instill as I teach you know every day you wake up as a creator and a musician what do you look forward to the most what is it about being in this profession and this line of work that you look forward to the most
2: yeah honestly joe
1: it's as of late and and with this whole
2: unfortunate pandemic uh it's really given me a chance to to stay home and really hone um different aspects and really focus on them uh, you know like compositional techniques for sure. But the thing that really gets me excited right now is the production aspect. You know, recording and, and working on mixing techniques and, and really, like, I'm a fan of, you know, those those old kind of smooth, I guess they're old now, but, like, people would laugh. Like, smooth jazz records, <laughs> like Four play and Earl Clue and, you know, um, like, Don Sabesky records and, and stuff from CTI and that stuff kind of along that vein because if you listen to the sonic clarity, the purity, I mean, the... The, the recording is just really second to none. Um, and so I've been here just really trying to to experiment with different things and, and see, you know, how my music can achieve that t- type of clarity. So I've really been excited to, to write the music, first of all, every note of it. I've done a ton of arranging, but now I'm doing more and more composition and showing, you know, showing the world how I think about music, you know, how I think about the music through composition. But then taking that, realizing that and then tailoring the sounds kind of aspect to, to what my, my sonic vision is and taking that, you know, through the whole entire process from, from conception all the way to a master, you know, so I really, I'm really intrigued by that. I love playing, you know, trombone and it, 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 I'm looking right at it and it needs my attention every day. And, you know, but, but really that whole uh, establishing that whole sonic picture from, from beginning to end is really what gets you you know I rush out of bed in the morning and, I, and I'm at the workstation learning and, and uh, practicing a lot of piano you know so I could just rotate
1: a lot of that stuff so that's that's where I'm at right now So if you have a dream tonight you run into your younger self right around the time you were getting ready to start becoming a professional and you could give your younger self one piece of advice what would it be? It would be to focus my time
2: more on 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 what matters really uh find your voice you know put your 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 artistic self first even though when you're young and you're fledgling you have to take kind of every opportunity or most of them um but i really found myself being pulled in all sorts of different directions you know because i was a freelance artist i would be working this be playing an r&b thing i'd be doing a jazz gig i'd be whatever and that stuff would drain you but i would tell myself to really focus your time and take some time to really think about what you have to offer musically not arranging but compose you know i've always been able to hear music pretty well what do you have to offer compose it practice it and you know i I think I, i would have liked to have done that sooner to be on this tip that i'm out on now but Hey, that's that's the way it goes, you know, and and when you're younger, it's it is your role to learn from the greats. It is your your role to really take that in and, and have those experiences while you have youth on your side. So, uh I think that's what I would mention to my younger self.
1: So, you know, going back to that <laughs> world that we knew last year before the pandemic happened, what do you miss the most from that old world? What are you looking forward to getting back to? I miss socializing with the cats. <laughs> Um,
2: absolutely, I miss uh, going and and meeting up with the guys and seeing what's what's going on in their world, or or just hanging out after a gig and and you know getting with a group of guys and they might be talking about a project they're doing, like oh you know well you know call up and just that that really that social aspect that let's be honest you can't get via Zoom or or any other of these online meetings, just being in this spontaneous. You know, group of folks, especially like in New York, after a gig, like, oh, we're gonna go to the Zinc Bar. Okay, so let's all get in the cab and let's go over there. And then you run into like other folks, and so you just end up socializing, and that that, that whole dynamic, you know, I really love, or just being at a cafe or something outside, you know, and and running into somebody random. You know, that you know. And, ah, what's going on? It's just like those those New York we call them New York moments, they happen everywhere, but they really happen here often because the population is so densely packed. Um, I really miss that um, aspect of it. Now working to three in the morning, that's that's gonna end for me. <laughs> I'm not gonna be doing that <laughs> anymore. If I if I, if I could all help it. Uh, 'cause I, I do like getting up and having, you know, being focused and being alert enough to really turn the page and learn something. But that, that whole social aspect is is
1: what I really love about it. And it'll be back. So what do you hope the uh, audience and musician realizes about this long time away from live music, maybe silver linings, realizations that we all have?
2: The value of it, the value of, of coming together and putting, certainly if you're in the audience, you know, putting, Kind of your everyday trials and tribulations, putting those aside and joining an audience and kind of listening with rapt attention as to what you're experiencing together. You know, and that whole emotional ride that you take with a band as you're listening. Um that, you know, it's just not the same. Looking, you know, there's live, there's these live online things. I'm not such a big fan <laughs> it's just you don't have that connection with people in the room where, you know human beings we're meant to be together. We're not meant to be in these vestibules and, and, and cubicles and, and you know um, so I, I think we really need to to cherish that experience. We need to put value on that. We also need to put value on what we do
1: uh
2: as musicians and in the music um, and put value all musicians themselves any artist uh, because they do offer a significant foil because people can't just do STEM every day in science and, 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 and that's the end of it. And then they play a video game and, you know, we need culture to balance everything out. And I think we're, as musicians, we, you know, we're in charge of the emotions. You know, I, I want with my records for people, especially with my last one, so people to get up in the morning and to put a smile on their face. You know, so we're kind of engineering happiness along those lines. Um, and that's, you know, I think we really needed to put a a, a significant value just as, you know, in Europe and Germany and, and everywhere else, they put a significant value on the work of artists. And I, I really think um, we should do so here
1: in the States as well. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, students, but you're living your life. Who do you think you are?
2: Yeah, I mean, finally, as of late, I really I feel like I'm the person I'm meant to be, A musician who's actually really found themselves in, in the production aspect and, and the composition aspect, and is really focused in in making that happen. And not only that, really focused on establishing a community via my label, Circle Nine, um, the records that we're gonna that we're working on right now that we're gonna release that show a segment of our culture that people I don't think necessarily were aware of, um, you know, and it's not just Latin jazz as I mentioned earlier, but it's kind of, you know, all like, a, it's like a New York kind of thing right now. You know, we actually have an artist from Melbourne, Australia who's gonna come aboard too, but I'm not really generally concerned as, as I used to be about people's perception of, of what I do and who I am, but I know that I've found myself in what i'm doing and i'm confident in what i'm doing and i know it's me i know it's doug beavers and, and uh when you have that confidence um things start to really align in the universe and, and folks perceptions like wow you know it's just, he's absolutely sure about what he's doing you know or whoever it might be so uh you know i've never felt sure in my life about my direction and i, and I think that comes off and and uh, that's something I'm, I'm really excited about and just, for me, it's kind of almost the beginning. You know, we have, there's so many records I want to make, um, ideas, um, so many collaborations with artists, and so many records I want to bring out there. You know, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get, it, get it rolling, especially now that seems that we, can, we might be able to work in earnest pretty soon here. So we're on the south end of this thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Doug, thank you, man. I appreciate you opening up. And good luck with the album and the return to the stage. Hey, great question! <laughs> Thank you. Really, really
0: thoughtful. I'm like, okay, all right. I'm gonna have to, you know, think of a, a, a worthy answer to this. But. Thanks thanks for your time, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in L.A., New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Doug for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Beyond
2: jazz.